0: Today's reading is from Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 24, and it can be found on pages 847 and 848. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There, in front of him, was a man suffering from abnormal swelling. Of his body Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law is it awful to heal on the Sabbath or not but they remained silent so taking hold of the man he healed him and sent him on his way then he asked them if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day will you not immediately pull it out and they had nothing to say Take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, Do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and dallies of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir? Sir? the the servant said when you ordered sorry what you ordered has been done but there is still room then the master told his servant go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full I tell you not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God
1: Thanks, Radna. Um, if you can keep your Bibles open, we're going to go through Luke chapter 14. Could you go to the first slide for us? Uh, as you know, this is a series where uh, we are going through the Gospel of Luke, where uh, Jesus eats with people, um, and we're in our fourth, uh, fourth um, sermon on this Um, on this topic. Um, But as you know, as you can see, there are lots of actually stories um, in 1 through 24. There are these four different stories. And so we'll go through all of it. So if you can keep your Bibles open to chapter 14, that'd be great. But let's pray that God will speak to us uh, through this passage. Lord, we thank you that you love your God who's a speaking God, who loves to speak to us, who loves to feed us uh, with your word. And we pray that as we come humbly before your word, that you would change us and you would feed us um, through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder if you've ever been to a party or a conference where you were skillfully handed over to somebody else. So you know, uh, there we go. You know how uh, some people are really good at talking to you, and while they're talking to you, they're talking to you, but they're sort of scanning the horizon to see if there's somebody else that they really would like to talk to, right? So they're talking and they're looking, and when they find this person, they somehow—some people are really good at it—they skillfully hand you over to somebody else, or they might just leave you in the cold and leave to talk to that person. I think that's the closest thing that I can think of to the story found in verses 7 through 11. Jesus is invited again to a house of a very prominent Pharisee, and he's being watched very closely there. And there he notices how the guests are picking the honored seat, the most important seats, no doubt, to mingle with other honored people, more important people. Right? You don't want to sit with, mingle with the lowlies, right? And so they're trying to pick the best seats so they can mix with the best kinds of guests. And as Jesus watches this happening, look what he says in verse 8. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of a uh, place of honor. He says, "Don't do that, place, uh, because somebody more important might have been invited, and then you might be asked to sit, uh, uh, sit, move away uh, for the other person." But Jesus isn't giving an instruction about how to behave at a party or at a conference right? He's actually uh, seeking to uh, 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 instruct us on how to live with our life, in our life. Uh, for verse 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Well, it's the way of God's kingdom. We shouldn't seek uh, to move up in life. We shouldn't seek honor. Instead, we should seek the humble seat, We should seek humility. So when Jesus comes back, he will honor exalt the humiliated and humble uh, exalt the humble. He will humiliate the exalted and exalt the humble. Sorry. And here's a thought uh, from Tim Chester um, about how this relates to our meals. I think this is profound. Meals, he writes, can be a visual representation of our hearts. If our hearts are concerned, for position, honor, status, or approval, then there, that will be reflected on our dining etiquette. Consider how your meals express your vision for life. Think about who you were, you, who's invited, how they're served, and what hope to achieve And the layout of your home. Do they express the vision of the kingdom of God? I wonder if you've ever thought about your meals like this that they show something about what's in your heart who you eat with how you eat with uh, how you eat uh, w- with them how you serve them how you have guests over actually they say betray something about how, what you think is important about your life and if that's true I wonder what your meals what you how you eat say something about you Some constantly want to dine at the most expensive restaurants or exclusive clubs, perhaps not every day, but enough so that they could feel better, superior to others. They seek the honor seat. Who do you eat with? What kind of people do you have over at your house? Perhaps you only invite people who are just like you, or people that you aspire to be like. We might be seeking honor in our life. You only prepare the finest of meals, the finest uh, of meals for, for your guests. And that can be a sign of genuine hospitality, but how much of that is us wanting to impress other people so that they might honor us when they come? What do our meals say about what's in our hearts? We've been talking about the, most, the importance of eating together with other people, how it's God's way of creating and sustaining God's community, how hospitality also shows what God has done for us, how generous He's been to us. And this week, I was chatting with another pastor about what we're doing, what we're teaching in our churches, and we got into a conversation about this. And we got into a conversation about how often uh, we don't, in Hong Kong, we don't invite people over to our homes. And I thought much of what he said was quite right. And please correct me if you think uh, it's wrong. He thought that the biggest reason for not having people over to our houses is fear. Fear of being exposed. Fear of losing face. Losing face perhaps because we show where we live. We show our furniture in the house. We show what kind of food we cook. We show how small our food is, or how unprepared we are, how, uh, how messy our house is. Unfortunately, in this small but populous city of Hong Kong, everybody's constantly comparing, evaluating other people. And that fear of losing face as we invite people to our homes is real. And then the flip side, I think, of that fear is. Actually, our desire for honor. We want to impress others. We want to seek other people's approval, so we work hard when we invite people over to make the house as clean as possible. Bring the best cutleries and spend long hours in the kitchen. And having someone over for our homes somehow then is transformed into uh, from wanting to genuinely provide hospitality to some kind of a performance, an act, right? Of putting our best foot forward so that we might be honored by the guests who come over to our homes. And if we constantly seek to impress others as we have people over, well, actually, we won't have that many people over in our house. Because how could you? Right? Every time you have somebody over, you need to make everything perfect. And that just makes it so much more difficult. Of course, loving our guests means reasonably cleaning up the house and serving a good meal. But the aim should be love rather than honor for ourselves. And the Gospel tells us that we don't need to worry about honor for ourselves because we are honored already. That is the gospel, right? Christ honors us. He's invited us to his table, to his seat. He was humiliated so that we can take his seat at the table. He's the one uh, who, uh, who has approved us, who gives us this honor. And since we have it, we don't need to worry about approval and honor from other people. And true humility isn't thinking less about ourselves, it is thinking about ourselves less. So let's not try to impress because as we have people over, because seeking to impress is just more thoughts about ourselves, how to gain honor for ourselves. Instead, let's try to think about our guests, how to welcome and love them and invite them into our lives. And what's more welcoming, more often than not, is not one-off feast that you go all out for with the most expensive food and all of that, right? In fact, sometimes it feels burdensome as people are invited to your homes. Actually, oftentimes what's most hospitable, what's most loving might be actually just a fairly modest meal, but not done just one-off, but many times. You say you make your home uh, available, your friends and family, to the church family, and say, come over for these meals. We want to welcome you to our home and to our lives. We don't need to seek honor, friends. In fact, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus will honor us. We don't need to worry about it. But the radical humility that Jesus is asking for is not, uh, it it goes beyond not seeking the place of honor in our life. Look what Christ commands us to do. He says, don't invite people who might be able to repay you for those meals. Verses 13 and 14, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The house of the Pharisee was filled with prominent people. Uh, Other Pharisees like him, right? Religious, well-to-do, upstanding leader of the community. But once again, Jesus looking around this crowd of people says, don't invite people like that next time. The crippled, the lame, and the blind aren't just physically impaired at the time, right? If you're physically impaired 2,000 years ago, you were poor. In fact, many of them were just beggars because they had no way of making a living. So they went out and begged. That's what that means, invite those people. But they weren't just poor, they were also considered unclean. Because in those days, who could wash them? Right? Who could purify them? Running water was a luxury that nobody could have in their homes. So they weren't able to clean themselves. They weren't invited to come and worship in the temple. They were considered impure. They were grouped often together with sinners. I don't know whom you've had over to your homes. Uh, This was very convicting for me. The people who visit my home are more like Pharisees' friends than Jesus' friends. And of course, that's our church as well. If you look around, we're a middle-class, English-speaking, international church. But Jesus was surrounded by people who are many, in many ways unlike us. People who partied all the time. Jesus was uh, accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. He accepted hospitality from Levi, the tax collector, who was known to be a public sinner. He let a prostitute wash his feet at Simon's house. He asked for water from Samaritans, a Samaritan women. He was a friend of sinners who came eating and drinking. In The Prodigal God, that book, famous book by Tim Keller, he writes, Jesus' teaching attracted the irreligious while offending the Bible-believing religious people of his day. However, in the main, our churches do not have this effect. The kinds of outsiders Jesus attracted are not attracted to contemporary churches, even our most avant-garde ones. We tend to draw conservative, button-down, moralistic people. The licentious and liberated or the broken and the marginalized avoid the church. That can only mean one thing. If the preaching of our ministers and the practice of our parishioners do not have the same effect on people that Jesus said, then we must not be declaring the same message that Jesus did. These are real challenging words, aren't they? Are we living out, are we preaching and living out a different gospel from what Jesus preached? And think about what inviting people to your homes means in that culture. Jesus isn't saying that we should invite the poor or the impure or whatever as a token, as a token guest in our parties. That's not what he's saying. No, meals and invitations in that culture meant friendship. It was inviting, association, sharing your honor, saying that you are my friend and I want you to be part of my life. Which is why it's so scandalous that Jesus accepts invitation from sinners, so many sinners. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do. Not to just invite them over one-off, but to forge friendship, to seek friendship with outsiders, with the marginalized, people who are the, 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 the impure, the poor and the sinners. And when I was in London, I time to time would go on a, a soup kitchen. Um, uh, uh, preparing food was the easy part of that morning. Because in a way, there is honor in serving the poor. right? What was more difficult was what we did afterwards, sitting around the table with the homeless, talking to them, befriending them, inviting them over to our life, eating with them, that was the harder part. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do, to invite the lives, these lives, over to our house, over to our lives, to seek and forge genuine friendship. Of course, this should be one of the things that Christians can do uniquely no matter our social standing no matter our educational level or whatever because we as christians know ourselves to be people who were spiritually impure blind and lame and helpless we should be able to relate to the people around us everybody around us because we know that we're saved by god's grace alone we should be able to reach out and welcome them into our lives. But if you're worried, I don't know any prostitutes, that's good, <laughs> I'm glad that, uh, that you don't know where to find prostitutes to invite into your life. Um, but you don't have to go that far, right? Let's start with the people around us. For me, there are those who do all these service jobs around. I know many doormen and women Guards and janitors downstairs, right? Some of who actually speak really good English. So, English shouldn't be our excuse. Mainly, they don't get spoken to. Uh, Some people don't even get a look. So, you know, next time, as you go, ask their names. Find out their names. Start a conversation. That might be a start. And of course, There are PF ladies among us as well. Uh, I'm ashamed to say that very few uh, members of the PF have been to my house. And that will change. Some of you are thinking, that's just another thing that I have to do. That's true, we're all busy. But we have to take Jesus' words seriously. Invite those who cannot repay you. And I, we have to take Keller's challenge ser- seriously. If we only interact with people who are just like us, and never with people with people whom Jesus had such a great time with, then we should think about whether we're preaching and living the same gospel that Jesus preached. Let's go back to this story for the last time, in this party where everybody's seeking seeking the honor seat, Jesus throws uh, cold water and says, don't do that. Seeing that he's surrounded by respectable religious leaders, he says, next time you throw a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Could you imagine how awkward that meal would have been? Jesus is just speaking out loud, blurting these things out to these people who have gathered just around him. No doubt to ease the tension, somebody blurts out, apropos of nothing, verse 15, right? Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. He might have wanted to just change the topic to something else. But Jesus does not bite in many ways. He tells the most harsh story, harshest story next. He tells of a host who has prepared a great banquet and invited many guests. But when the guests are told that the party is ready, the banquet is ready, they make excuses. They are the kind of excuses that busy Hong Kong people, people, of Hong, people who live in Hong Kong might make. Right? Uh, excuses about life and work. Oh, I bought a field. It's like buying, like, oh, I bought an office. Right? Or I, I bought a couple of cattle. Um, I need to test them out. Or I got married. They're saying, I know you've prepared a great banquet, but I don't really need you. I actually eat pretty well. I'm pretty busy with the life that I'm living. Then the host then commands the servants to go into the streets and the alleys to get those people, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, and to go out into the roads and country lanes and to compel them to come in, to invite everyone. And he ends the story. In verse 24 saying i tell you not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet meaning that none of the pharisees none of these religious people who first got the invitation they will not be invited when jesus comes back the story is mainly about the gospel right? The gospel isn't for religious people, isn't for respectable people, but it's for everybody, everybody who knows that they need Jesus, who's who's just grateful to have an invitation from him. That's the gospel. The grace is extended, and those who know, recognize that grace uh, will accept it, and how we ought to then drop everything and make Jesus at the center of our lives. But if we take a step back, this story is also about mission. It's about mission. Because Christians are in the story. Right? We're the servants who, are go, who go out. This is Hudson Taylor and other missionaries at the time. These are servants who go out to invite the poor, the marginalized, powerless, and the vulnerable. These are people who go out to the far-flung corners of the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, saying, you are all invited to the feast of our Father, Jesus Christ. And it's not a coincidence, though, that Luke mentions this. Uh, Luke uh, pictures a banquet, people eating together, right? Because that's what Jesus did. How did Jesus share the good news with others? How did he bring the kingdom of God? He didn't start new programs. He didn't do some some institutional plan to share his life with others. You know what he did? He said yes to every dinner invitation he received, whether that was from a respectable member of the community like the Pharisees or from uh, Simon, uh, 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 or Levi, the tax collector, the sinner. He just said yes to everyone. And not only that, when he said yes, he started to invite people. No matter who they were, he said, come and eat with me. In the beginning of chapter 14, we see Jesus healing a person on the Sabbath day who was undoubtedly, once again, ritually impure. He heals him. Part of what he's saying is, you are now invited to come and eat with me. Jesus ate with everyone. That's how he brought the kingdom of God to earth so that they could taste his goodness and his grace as he ate together with everyone. And I often think that we think of evangelism as a very difficult thing, something that we have to do that we don't normally do. Please think of it as eating together. Eating together. Invite people to eat at your home. You know, if your home's too small or whatever, invite them to come and eat at a restaurant with you. As you eat, ask Jesus to be your host, the host of that meal. And share generously with the guests. Invite them to your birthday parties. Christians are known for many things, aren't we? Uh, We're known to be anti-abortion. We're known uh, to be against same-sex marriage or premarital sex. Hopefully, we're known for our integrity and generosity, our care for the poor, hopefully. But I love Tim Chester's suggestion in that book, Meal with Jesus. He says, how about parties? How about if we're known to throw the best parties? birthday parties, there's sporting event parties, cultural events, anniversaries, new job celebrations or promotions or whatever, graduation. Why not celebrate the good things that God is doing in your life and invite people over? God has done these things. Share it with others. He says, meals enact mission. Meals enact mission, but they enact mission because they enact grace. Our celebrations, our parties could be a place where people can taste God's grace. A meal that has been prepared for them. A place where everyone matters. No matter their social standing, no matter what they're wearing, no matter how much money they make or educational level, level they're invited as our honored guest. It might be a place where these non-Christians, friends, can taste God's grace as we share friends, let's eat together. Let's eat with each other. Let's eat with the people around us. Next week, if you can not come and join us in the picnic, let's eat together. And let's eat together with people who we don't normally associate with. Let's make that effort and let's not try to impress our guests with our hospitality. Let's aim to love. And it can be costly. But so was the table that Jesus prepared for us. And having feasted on his grace, Why don't we share that with others? And we're busy, of course. But you eat two to three times a day, don't you? You all have birthdays, don't we? Let's not just be known for our moral stance. Christians, let's be known for our parties, best parties, where everyone is invited and where grace is tasted. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have sought us out that when we were sinners, when we were your enemies, that you died for us, that we might be invited to your banquet. Help us to always feast on your grace. Know who we are, that we're sinners by grace, invited to your as your honored guests. And Lord, we pray would we live that lifestyle of grace whenever we eat and help us Shateen Church to be people who throw the best parties. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to respond uh, with uh, the next in singing. The song is Should go to the song, Frankie? It's related to the topic. Oh, come, people of the risen King. It's an invitation for everybody to come and feast in His grace. Uh, this, is also, uh, this is also the offering song, so if you're a guest uh, with us, don't feel obliged to give anything at all. We're just really glad that you're able to join us. But let's do respond uh, uh, by giving uh, to the work of the kingdom. Please stand and let's sing together. Come, people of the risen King.